0: Somebody ought to shout with a voice of triumph. Give God great praise. Clap your hands. Shout unto the Lord. Dance. Stomp your feet. Whatever you do, do something and give God praise. Come on, do you feel him in this house? Do you feel him in this house? Come on. That's because he inhabits the praises of Israel. He inhabits the praises of his people. And when we lift him up, come on, he doesn't just visit. He inhabits. He dwells. He lives. I want God to live here at Apostolic Revival Center. That's why we're a praising church. That's why we're a worshiping church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Amen. As you're returning towards your seats, you can remain standing in the presence of the Lord. It is a high honor to have Bishop and Sister Wilson with us in the house of the Lord. Let's give them a hand of welcome. Now, this is a very high honor for myself uh, because there's some background not everybody may know. But Bishop and Sister Wilson went to Flint, Michigan in their late 20s. And there they saw tremendous revival uh, before it was all said and done. There was seven to, ni- seven to 900 people in attendance there. And they met my pastor's wife. At that time, she was a Bertram and uh, they pastored her there and and uh, they were a success by many standards they could have hung their hat up and said well this is enough we have reached the apex of all that God can do in our lives and yet they followed the Holy Ghost to go to Sacramento California and to start a church for God uh, that didn't have a whole lot going on there as my pastor would say sheets and dishes is all he had when he went to Spokane. But it was there because they decided to obey God that my pastor, who was a heavy metal rocker, who some people in the church even here today know him and have remembered when he prayed through, he came in dressed like a 1980s rocker, hair down his back, and there was a preacher that was up there ministering in the Holy Ghost. And God spoke to him and told him that you are home. And it is because of God, this couple, and my pastor, and his wife, that I am saved today. Because somebody decided, we're going to follow God. We could just stay here and be comfortable. But they said, no, we've got to follow and obey the voice of God. And they went to an area, and they built a work for God. And because of that tenacity, my pastor and his wife They ended up in Spokane, Washington, and there they met a kid from the streets, and they loved me, and they prayed, and they did exactly what you did. They preached the Word of God to me, and I am so excited uh, to have you here, and we want you to come, take your liberty, preach whatever God gives to you. Take as much time as you want. We only got one service, so amen. How many wants to receive a word from the Lord? Would you lift up your hands, and let's pray right now as the man of God comes.
1: Well, let's love him again. Holy Ghost is here. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this building. Thank you for touching us today. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Thank God for uh, what he's doing and his goodness. Are you glad to be in God's house today? Amen. We're not here because we have to be here. I mean, unless you're a little kid and you have to be here because your parents told you, then that's good. Your parents are right. You need to be here. Amen. Amen. Uh, But we're here because we love God. Man, how did one church get so many good-looking people? Amen. Amen. Just, it's, just a, it's just wonderful to be with you in Carson City. I just got to take a little breath here and look around. And, and uh, some of you I know, and some of you are saying, I don't know who he is. Uh, but uh, I'm glad to be with you today. Yeah. Whoa. Hey, We are going to have a great time, and uh, God has already blessed us in this service, hallelujah. I'm just glad I'm Pentecostal, praise God. I have a friend, I told him, I said, you need to build a new church building. He said, where? I said, just go find a place and do it. I mean, I don't know everything. Just do it. Just go do it. He did. Built about a, million and a half million church. And during this COVID, the big church in that town, downtown, was not having service. And uh, then they start having just like a, a little, you know, Vesper service and And the people got to come in to my friend's church and they they said man our church is just deader than a hammer and they said we're we're coming back and now I mean and now uh, I don't know how many people's coming from that church and other churches and they're coming because they have found something that we have here today. Dynamic and real and powerful, amen. So if this is your first time today, it's my first time in a long time and my wife's first time in a long time. And so uh, just make yourself at home. It's you and us and all the members of this church and the pastor and his wife. So let's just have a good time. They're treating us right so let's enjoy, amen, amen. So, um, I'm glad to have my wife with me today. So, she's my, she's, she's my first wife. That's the only wife I've ever had. And uh, we've been married, let's see, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 55 years. Hallelujah. We met when I was 12 and she was 11 at a youth camp. Would have got married then, but our parents weren't mature enough to know that we were ready. And uh, so finally, when we got old enough that they couldn't stop us and didn't want to, we got married. Praise God. And um, we've been having a good time in Jesus ever since then. Amen. Amen. You know, let me tell you what I'm really thinking while I'm standing up here. I'm going to try to preach here a little bit in a minute. But here's what I'm really thinking while I'm standing up here is... um, Apostolic Revival Center. Did I get it right? Apostolic. I like that name, Apostolic Revival Center. Amen. If you're drowning, get in the ark. <laughs> and uh, and I, I'm going to preach, but first I want to say uh, how excited I am that Pastor and Sister Hood. Is your pastor. Now, uh, sometimes it takes a little while for people to realize how good they got it. And then you have some people that never realize how good they got it and they mess up. But I'll tell you what when you get a good thing, you hang on work through all the initial wrinkles you move forward and then you begin to see it's like a big airplane it's went down the runway a long ways but it's been picking up speed and now the wheels are just lifting off the ground it takes a little while to get there and a lot of fuel to get it up but then when it gets off the ground and it begins to take off then you say that right there is apostolic revival center Amen. So I'm glad we got a holiness church in northern Nevada. And um, I see this as, as fast becoming one of the great apostolic churches in northern California. Now, any of you don't believe that you need Jesus? Hang on. You, you, you say, "Well, I don't know." Just tighten your seatbelt and stay on the plane, because you're fixin to get you're fixing to get a great, great, great surprise of what God's fixing to do and has already begun to do. Praise God. Now, I haven't had a chance. I, I'm, I'm, let's see, let me do this right. I'm guessing who Sisterhood is. Now, this piano player is good, too. Now I've met Sister Hood, but just briefly, but I am, I'm looking forward to getting better acquainted with both of them. But I want to tell you, you better be careful about the pastor's wife. I was reading about old Abimelech the other day, and um, the Bible says Abimelech took, I'm quoting the scripture, took Sarah, which was Abraham's wife. Abimelech was a king, and he took Sarah. And God spoke to him. You don't mess with the preacher's wife. I want to tell you, a lot of times when people couldn't get to me and pull me down, they would try to circle through the back door and get to my wife. Well, when Abimelech tried to mess with the prophet's wife, God spoke to him. And the exact words that God said was to Abimelech, thou art but a dead man. And he said to Abimelech, that man is a prophet like you may like him, you may not like him, but you better learn one thing. That's a prophet, and you put your hand on the hand of a prophet. said, you better take it off because he's the one that has to pray for you for you to get my blessing. So thank God for a man of God and his wife. Amen. And um, I haven't met their children yet. I don't know how many they have. Should have about five. Somebody's going like this. Should. So I guess we'll see how that works out. Praise God. All right. Do you have your Bible? I want to preach to you for a little while. You only got one service, and uh, you've already ate a big breakfast. you're not starving. In fact, if you didn't eat a big breakfast, most of you, I can look at you and tell you're not starving. (laughs) But nevertheless, (laughs) nevertheless, you look at me and tell the same things, but nevertheless, uh, we do need the Word of God, amen? Amen. So let me read a verse of scripture to you out of a book that doesn't get preached out of very often, but... is an important book. It's the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. It's the third uh, book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And I want to read um, verse 1, chapter 1, and verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 1. And it's a simple reading. It reads like this. And the Lord Called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. Jesus, thank you for your presence here today. I want you to come in this place, God. Oh, Lord God, I want your word to be like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces. Oh, God, and bring a new enlightenment to us today in Apostolic Revival Center that propels us far down the road of progress and revival and renewal and growth. Thank you for every man and every woman and boy and girl that's in this room. No matter who they are, where they're from, what color they are, what size they are, what language they speak, regardless, none of that matters, God. We are all children in the hands of God, and we pray today that you will bless this signally and especially in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation now when you read uh, the book of Leviticus which we're certainly not going to do today uh, but if you read the book of Leviticus you will see why that not many people often preach out of the book of Leviticus because uh, uh, it, can, it can be like uh, just discipline in that you ought to read your Bible so you read through Leviticus uh, it can be sometimes seeming like it's not real interesting. However, there are particularly important things found in the book of Leviticus and I'm calling it by what it's called in my King James Bible and yours, um, uh, which is kind of Leviticus. Levi meaning that it is about the Levites. It is about uh, the tribe from which the priests were chosen for the nation of Israel, as most of you know, and so it is called, it's the book about the Levites and their job and their duties, uh, and so it's called the book of Leviticus. However, in the Hebrew Bible, it is not called the book of Leviticus. In the Hebrew Bible, like many of the books that that is contained in the Old Testament, not sure what knob I need to turn if I make it squeal here, but uh, so you just come up here and and turn whatever you want to turn. And uh, so, in the book of Leviticus, the name of the book is very interesting. In that, the name of the book is like the first words of the book. The name of the book is "And he called." And he called. That's what the book's name is. And he called. Then, of course, it told us in our text where he called from. He called from out of the tabernacle of the congregation. I don't need to uh, reiterate to all of you the tabernacle of the congregation, the Old Testament tabernacle, uh, most of you have at least some semblance of an idea of what that's talking about. But the Old Testament tabernacle, another translation of that literally is that it was the tent of appointment. It was the tent of appointment. Another, another uh, translation is that it was the rendezvous tent. It's where everybody of the people of God rendezvous or came together and um, of course it was a special place as you will remember that over the tabernacle at night was was a pillar of fire which signified God's anointing and God's presence there and in the day there was a cloud which also signified the same God's presence, God's anointing. It was the indicator that God was with them, that they were the people of God and that as the people of God they were a special people which were separated one place in Psalm it tells us that uh, Psalm 147 tells us that this people there is no other nation like you they were a nation that was separate from them. And we often quote 1 Peter 2 and 9, and most all of us in this room know that scripture, that we are a, uh, we're a holy nation, we're a peculiar people, that we are called out of darkness to show his marvelous light. That scripture is actually a quote of Exodus 19, 5 and 6, which is uh, originally given to the people of Israel here in the Old Testament. And then uh, upon Israel's uh, lack of understanding who the Messiah was when he came, we are ushered in to be in part of the people of God. The Book of Romans says we're grafted in. Can you say man? And uh, we're grafted in to being the people of God. And so all of those Old Testament prophecies, spiritual prophecies, are transferred and now are appropriated by you and I, and we are the people of God. Amen. When you look in, uh, uh, in the New Testament, it validates us very much. This isn't just a, a Wilsonism. This is, uh, it, it's very clear in Galatians chapter 3 at least three times in verse 7, and uh, then again in verse 14, and then again in verse 29. It tells us that we are the children of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham. In fact, it specifically in verse 14 tells us that we are the seed of Abraham by virtue of the blessing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now that alone is a good reason to be in a Pentecostal church because evangelical churches don't even believe you can receive the Holy Ghost like they received in the Bible. Amen. And it really, uh, uh, this is kind of uh, an amazing thing to me that, Evangelical preachers will preach about, well, the Holy Ghost is not for you. And um, and I know there's a glass of water up here somewhere. Here it is right here. It's from Fiji. Have you ever been to Fiji? Anybody ever been to Fiji? Fiji is at the bottom of the world. I've been to Fiji. This really is Fiji water. You can drink straight out of the river in Fiji. It's so good. But we're not preaching about Fiji. I just needed a drink. And so uh, when you get into uh, the word of God and you begin to see these things and you begin to understand that we have received through the Holy Ghost what was given as a promise to them in many Old Testament scriptures, Isaiah twenty-eight, eleven and 12 and Ezekiel um, um, 37 and uh, Joel 2 28 29, and on and on they go. The scriptures that tell us that the Holy Ghost was intended for Israel, and we've come into being Abraham's children, and so now we receive the Holy Ghost. And so it really intrigues me that these pastors in these evangelical churches by that I mean churches that say they believe the Bible but do not receive the Holy Ghost that they will tell you that it's not for you and that you can't have it and speaking in tongues is over and none of them have ever even received it. they don't even know they're good people i'm sure and i would be happy to eat if they own a restaurant in their restaurant and i have no problem they're probably great united states citizens that's voting for the right guy for president whoever that is But I want to tell you, how can you talk to me about whether the Holy Ghost is real when you've never had it? You admit you've never had it. You don't want it. You don't know anything about it. You are ignorant about the very thing you're talking about. Don't talk about something you know about. I've got the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you about the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you how it transforms our lives. I'll tell you how it changes our hearts. I'm not mad. I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, don't give me your stuff if you've never ate it. I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about today? Woo! Hallelujah. And we don't need to be backward about that. Amen. We need to be forward about that. Lord, help me not to get off right here. But I'm going to tell you, you may not know it, but the fastest religious slash sociological thing in the world. The fastest growing, I don't care what you're talking about, whether it's political, whether it's business-wise, uh, whatever it is, religious-wise, wherever it is in human society around the world, there is not one single thing in the world that is growing as fast as Pentecostalism. Not one single thing in the world that's growing as fast you know why because it's real and you can talk to us as long as you want to about how it's not real but when you've got this in your soul i believe i'm going to run my own little aisle here oh praise god hallelujah when you've got this in your soul it don't matter what anybody says because an experience is always stronger than an argument come on that's crazy for <laughs> you he's so worthy Amen, 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 amen. What a God we serve. Amen. Amen. Now here's the deal. Uh, That was a long run. Here's the deal. You know, I used to evangelize. Your pastor used to evangelize. When you evangelize, there's nothing more joyful than seeing somebody come to the altar. Repent of their sins, get delivered of their sins, receive the Holy Ghost, take the name of the, of the Lord Jesus in baptism, and come into the church. But here's the problem. The problem is, I feel my help coming. The problem is, when all these people receive the Holy Ghost, they all just don't die, or they all don't just disappear. Right. Or they all just don't fly off to heaven. Right. They're here. Right. And then another one gets a Holy Ghost. And another one get, receives the Holy Ghost. And another one's here. And pretty soon there's a church. Right. And so a church demands leadership and as all of you know it demands biblical leadership right. and so a lot of people will put their hand to the plow to trying to lead God's people that are anointed that are not anointed and called and do not even understand all of the concepts of biblical leadership and therefore, the church falters, or whoever's willing to follow them falters, uh, and it and and it and it struggles, uh, and they lead them into all kinds of false box canyons. Uh. I, I wasn't raised in the city. I understand box canyons, and and uh, and they and they they are they, out here everywhere, and and they get them into false doctrines, uh, and all of this stuff. Oh, I just felt this. Let me tell you, God and I have had some arguments. We have. Like, as a pastor, I've done my best. We're not in a hurry, are we? Okay. As a pastor, I always did my best to try to help the people to have a good, solid place to come that's safe and joyful. You get it. You get it because you've got it. You get it because you've got it. I hope you got enough sense to know if I may be talking to somebody here today what you got by being in this church. Because here's the argument I had with God. God would let somebody come into the church and start trying to undermine me. But God had called me to that place and he called. What he, call? he called? He called A man. And in that case, he called me. So I have to know my own identity. This is not an ego thing. This is sometimes something you'd like to get off your back like a saddle. But once he calls you, you cannot escape it. You're called, it's a responsibility. You've got to do your job to save those sheep. Oh, man, I wish I had a week just to talk about the sheep and the shepherd. There's a whole deal there, but sheep, sheep don't have claws to fight with. No big teeth with fangs. I mean, has everybody here, anybody been killed by sheep? Any relatives? Uh, they can't run fast. They can't climb trees. They're pathetic. But I'll tell you what, if you treat them right, they'll clothe you. They're one of only two animals whose milk is, is good. Sheep, three animals, goats, sheep, goats, and, and what's the other one? Cows. And, and, they, and, and the best clothes made are made out of their wool. Okay. And they're a necessary commodity in most of the world. Okay, so you got these sheep, they have to be guarded. So I'm guarding them. I'm keeping them. I'm teaching them doctrine. I'm teaching them truth. I'm teaching them. And lo and behold, it, it has never stopped happening. Somebody will come into the church and they will have a charismatic personality and they will sometimes they're sincere they really believe that they know a lot about leading God's people but they've got this they've got this uh, this uh, why are we wearing masks they've got this spiritual COVID they've got this thing that if the people of God are exposed to it it starts working on them and killing some of them and so, I've, I've had people say, you know, well, you know, we're, Brother Wilson's this, and Brother Wilson's that, and na 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 nah. it wasn't even about Brother Wilson, Brother Wilson knew a hundred times more than they did, but, that, that, you know, it wasn't about that, it was about, I've got to find a way to marginalize the pastor, so that I can lead some of these people away, so, and, and people sometimes are goofy, they'll follow some goofball like, I mean, it just drives you crazy. How can you be? What's a good Bible word? Stupid <laughs> enough to follow that. What in God's world's wrong with your brain? And they'll follow it. And I go back to God and I say, God, why do you let that nut come into this church? You could have killed him before he got here. He's destroying God's people. And then God gives me 1 Corinthians eleven 19. 1 Corinthians eleven 19. Don't ever forget it. Heresies must come. That that which is approved might be made manifest. It's quiet enough you could hear a mouse licking ice in this place right now. (laughs) Heresies must come that that which is approved might be made manifest. So God's going to keep letting stuff come. God's going to keep letting people do this and that to trip you up. God's going to keep letting all of these things because I want people to go to heaven. I don't care how perfect they are, it's just my job to get them there. But God says, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. I'm going to let them be tempted. I'm going to make them grow up. I'm going to make them love the order in my tabernacle that I have established. And if they don't love it, if they don't embrace it, if they don't get it, they're going to be vulnerable and exposed to this stuff forever. And I tell people in the church, in fact, there's been times. Back way back where Brother Pastor was talking about where I've got on my knees while teaching and say to the people please listen to me. Please when somebody's coming by and it looks like they're going to take off out here and they think they're going to be a spectacular thing they're going to burn out and I'm still going to be preaching truth where your kids. And your wife and your husband and your marriage can find power and anointing. And you can bring your family and they'll be delivered and not fleeced. Come on. Oh, my Lord. So I just feel like before I hardly got started here, I have hooked up. So let me tell you something. I've had people take people from my church. And I haven't been here. I'm just preaching what I'm feeling. And say, well, we're going to start a church up the road. And I got up and just, just because I felt like God told me, I said, anybody that goes there, I'm going to tell you that it's not going to last more than six months. In six months, the gentleman will be closed down and you're gonna be left holding your shirt. And unless you've got the humility and grace to come back and get yourself straightened out, you're gonna end up as a wreck on the side of the road. And thank God there were folks that did have the grace to come back and straighten themselves out, but there were others that did not. You have gotta understand, this is big business, boys and girls. This is big business we're talking about. This is heaven or hell. This is eternity. This is much more important. This is much more important than anything else going on in this city. Amen. And so God calls Moses. What did he call about? He called because he's concerned that there would be somebody that would teach the people how to worship. And there would be somebody who would teach the people and facilitate the worship. And somebody that can teach them how to bring in the Old Testament their sacrifices. All of that had structure, all of that had order. There's a lot to this, folks. It's not just somebody being able to get up and talk good. It's not just about somebody being funny. Or it's not, and I like funny people. But it's not just about somebody being able to articulate words. It's about does somebody have this and he called. Because unless you get that call out of the tabernacle where the presence of God is. Unless you get that call, you'll never make it but if you get that call, and then if you know you've got that call, and then if you've exercised and expanded that call in the knowledge of God, that is a powerful thing to hook the wagon of your family to. Uh, and that's how we make great churches in northern But it said amen. amen. And so you got to understand, this is an anniversary today, so this is appropriate what I'm about to say. People can not do without a spiritual leader. Yeah. Right. And line two to the song is that a spiritual Leader cannot do what needs to be done without the specific instructions from God. It said, my text said, and he called to Moses from out of the tabernacle. There's calls from all kinds of places. 1 Corinthians 14 tells us there's all kinds of voices, and who can determine the sound of them? But it also says there's a certain sound of the trumpet, and it resonates with people who have character and integrity. And those people recognize it and say, Here is a place that I found where God lays his hand on my life. Amen. Oh, Lord. Preach it, Brother Wilson. You may be seated. You may be seated. <laughs> Stop. The applause is hurting my ears. <laughs> Are you having a good time today? Yeah. Praise God. And so here's the scripture. To hear what Moses had to say, they had to go to the tabernacle, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, as a matter of some is, right. but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Because you never know in a Pentecostal service what is going to happen in that service that's going to be unique and that may have never happened before in the history of that church. And it may be some midweek service where you think, oh, oh yeah, this is just. But you never know. In a midweek service, it can be seemingly as dry as corn shucks. When you're having a service and it just seems like nothing's happening, be careful. God, yeah, yeah, God. You never know when God will let a word be spoken or something happen that triggers something into the ether that is so big you never
0: dreamed that
1: it would occur. That's how it works. Amen. But it only works that way in places that take the man of God's word as he speaks under the anointing as the word of God and not the words of men. See, preaching is not lecturing. Preaching is not a political stump speech. Preaching is not comedy, although sometimes it is funny. Preaching is not any of those things. Preaching is a unique thing that there's nothing else like it in the world. Because it is other From the very first man that was ever anointed in the Old Testament to lead God's people, which was Moses, until now, there has been something that's been consistent throughout every anointing, Old Testament, intertestamental, or New Testament. Every anointing there was, one of the primary characteristics was an anointed utterance. So when you find a man of God who has an anointed utterance, when I was a boy, I didn't understand this, but in our little Pentecostal country, Pentecostal church with 20 or 30 people, every once in a while, somebody would come through and preach, and I would say, whatever it is, that guy's got it. I was just a 12, 13-year-old boy, but I, but I, but I, and I want to tell you, I have preached in Africa, I preached in South America. And I'll tell you there can be people that can't read nor write, but when they're sitting in that congregation, there's something about, there's something about the human makeup. That the human makeup knows and responds. They don't have to have education. They don't have to have money. They, don't, they know and they respond that I'm hearing something that is otherworldly, and God is giving it to me aren't you glad to be in the house of God? <laughs> oh, praise God. And so this is an important scripture, 1 Thessalonians 1 2:13. Uh, "For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Just listen to this. Because when ye received because when ye received the Word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men. But as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. He's commending this church in Thessalonica. Actually, in the it doesn't matter how it is in the Greek. But anyway, uh, in Thessalonica, we say, actually, it's Thessaloniki. But in English, that sounds kind of strange because we don't usually n words in eki. So we usually say Thessalonica, but in that city, he is commending these people because they, when he was there preaching, there were some people said, "Oh, he's just a tent maker." But he's saying, "You didn't do that. You recognized that something of anointing that was coming to you, and you valued that. And now the blessings of God are rising up and coming in, and, and emerging out of you." Into the whole city because you understand the importance of the man of God. Let me tell you whatever else the man of God has, or whatever else he doesn't have, one thing you need to always be thankful for is that the man of God is anointed of God. Amen. Amen. And this is pointed out this is pointed out in the Old Testament if you look, being as I happen to be preaching today from the Old Testament I'll try to take my examples from there, but um, if you look at the, the process of what would I say, building God's leader in the Old Testament. When, when, when God told Moses, here's, here's what you do, like Aaron's going to be a, a leader Moses, and so He's going to be dressed like this. So in the Old Testament, all the outward things are are typical. They are types of all the things we have inside today. And so the way they dress the priests gives us a vision of how God looks at his leaders. When God sees them, this is what God sees. He says, I want you to make his garments of gold and blue and purple and scarlet. The brightest, spectacular, richest colors that there is. And I want you to embroidery them. And there's nothing more beautiful, this is just my opinion, than good embroidery on beautiful This is what his garment was to be made out. This is how God sees his man. And then he says, I want you to use, this is the Bible language, fine twined linen. Fine twined linen. So you know, you can buy sheets, I don't know, maybe $39 at Walmart. I don't know, whatever. Uh, That's of the kind we have, I think, but um, but I hear sheets advertised which are fine twined linen, and it's bu- it, it depends on the thread count. You women know a lot more about this than I do, and if the if the thread count is more per square inch or per square something, and um, and and so you can buy sheets that cost a thousand dollars for two sheets. Because they're fine twined linen. Now, I've got on a suit here that is fine twined wool. (laughs) This is a very expensive suit. All my suits are very expensive suits. You know why? Because we had a man and woman in our church and they raised their kids according to what we taught them to raise their kids. Their kids grew up and one of them started a men's dress shop. Not dressed this way, but dressed you know what I mean, to dress <laughs> men. You got to be careful when you get on these subjects. And, and so he started this shop and he feels like he loves Sister Wilson and I and Pastor Young and Sister Young, and, and he knows that most everything he's got came from teaching about leadership in the church. But let me just segue. If you've got a leader, and you do, so let me make sure you know that. If you've got a leader that, that knows how to lead, not just preach, I've got preacher friends who are some of the best preachers you've ever heard, and they are wonderful to listen to preach. But in terms of leading a local church, they just don't hardly know anything. And so the church, I mean, there's are some of the best preachers in the world, but their church may run, you know, 100 people or so, and they, they've been there 45 years. and they're still big. But, but, but when you've got someone that understands that the primary job of the preacher is preaching, but it's preaching things that help people become And I know he knows that. In fact, that is the motto since since we started the Rock Church 500 years ago. It's helping people become. So, well, we thought it was getting people saved. That's the first step in helping people become. You're born into the kingdom. That means you're a baby. Now, what's the leadership? going to do and what's everybody else that's leaders in the church going to do to help nurture these people and bring them to full power and strength and glory. So back to the suit. So this is a very expensive suit, but it wasn't very expensive to me because he says, what do you want, Brother Wilson? I think I'll take that one. How much is that material? Uh, You don't want to know. But is that the one? That's what I want. He says, well, here's the cost of that. But I'll give you the nanny discount. That's what they call my wife, nanny, in the church. Now, she's too young to call nanny. Just stick with sisterhood for now. But the nanny discount's the one he gives to her. So when the cost for one of the players on the Sacramento Kings or somebody comes in because they buy their suits from him because he has the best clothes in Sacramento. When they come in, it costs them this much. When I come in, we wait till they're gone, and then it costs me this much. But these suits, the way I don't, I don't, I didn't know much of anything about them, and I still don't know a lot, but the, the suit costs more because it's, it's fine twined. It ha- it's, it's got like 120 is a really good suit, 120-somethings. I don't know what they are. St- uh, fine twined. What do you call it? Uh, does it? Yeah, fine twined right but 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 then if it's hundred and fifty that's like that then there's some of them that's hundred and eighty and it feels like when you put them on it feels like man it's like putting a sock on your foot they just fit you don't even hardly know you've got them on they're not real tough. You can't wear them out and hunt deer in them. But they, they, they I mean, they're just... So when God looks at the anointing, the garments represent the anointing. When God looks at him, that's, that's fine twined leadership. That's not that's not just jeans there's a place for jeans but well, when you come to leadership you want leadership that has got everything that god wanted it to have and it was and it was made those outfits for those priests were made with what the bible calls cunning work well cunning to me is kind of like sneaky and, and you know not too trustworthy and Cunning, as it was interpreted there, this was interpreted back in 1611 or 16 or 17 or whatever it was. And cunning meant esteemed, valued, thought through, devised, thread count. All of that's included in cunning. And then he ends it up with saying, I'm doing this for glory, glory. And for beauty in the leadership. So you want your preacher to have glory on him. And that glory is beauty. And when people walk in that door in the back and they sit down in here, they sense that glory and they sense that beauty on him. And let me just give you a little word here, being as we're only going to preach three hours a day. You said not to me. Well, okay. I understand. I don't plan on preaching that long anyway, so. But when people come in, I haven't got to the people yet. I'm just on the man of God. I'm gonna get to the people in a minute. But there is there is a relationship between the people and the man of God that is critical. Look, I have I don't know anywhere that I've ever worked to build a church, or preached that God hasn't blessed it. And I'm now, I know you can't tell it, but I'm now 74 years old. You said we couldn't tell that. We thought you was 84. So that's not bragging. That's just telling you that when you stay in the stream and let God do the work, and you know what you're supposed to do, and you know what you're not supposed to do, and you have people that understand all of this, there is a rhythm that sets up with a congregation. I've preached in places that have the rhythm, and I've preached in places that don't have the rhythm, and it's a whole lot harder. Because it's like, did we set our clocks back last night? Yeah, it's fall, fall. Here's how you remember, in the fall, your clock falls back. In the spring, it's spring. You'll never be late for church again. And so, but that's because the seasons ebb and flow. They ebb and flow. The ocean ebbs and flows. That's why you got to be careful of the ocean. There's a saying, never turn your back on the ocean. You never know when a big wave's coming. sweep people out to the sea and drowns them. But the, but the ebb and flow ebb and flow is there. It's found everywhere. It's found in the human body. It's more pronounced in women than men, but there is an ebb and flow to the strength and to the mental sharpness that we have at particular times over other particular times. All of this is part, the whole, everything ebbs and flows in the universe. Well, that same principle works in a church. It works in a church. I've taught this 10,000 times. Uh, to Sacramento and to Flint. That's probably an exaggeration, but it feels like it. Until they got it, until they got it. And so a preacher has an anointing that I've been talking about, which is vertical. It's from above. And that's essential. That's core. That's, that gets first place. Can you say amen? amen? But there's also an anointing that's horizontal, and your pastor may have explained this to you. It's an important principle. There's a horizontal anointing. And before a preacher can actually preach to people and help them, he has to bow before them and say, Would you allow me to minister you today? And if they won't allow you to minister to them, then you shake your feet off and you go to another congregation. But there is no drive-it-down-their-throat business in the kingdom of God. There is no coercion or force or manipulation about this in the kingdom of God. It's an open thing where I'm willing to serve God by serving you if you're willing to follow what I'm presenting to you. And like they asked the girl that was being taken to Isaac for a bride... But her family asked her, will you follow the man? And she said, I, you can read it in your Bible in Genesis 24, I will follow the man. And that's how she became the bride to the bridegroom, which was all a type of Jesus and his church. There's somebody that takes you to the bridegroom. And so when that gets to flowing in the church, and the preacher says something good. It's important for you. Like this sister right now is giving me a nod of her head, yes. She may not have been aware. She probably does it all the time because she's a cooperative person. But the nod of the head, yes, is a throwback to the preacher. So you want me to get more complicated than this? Let me, let me take one more step into this complicated, okay? There also is assertion and surrender. For you to receive the word of God from a man of God, you have to surrender and open your heart and say, Preach to me! And the preacher is asserting. He is giving it out. It's like male gender. Giving it out the force of it. Argh! And then there's a receiving of it. But then the congregation, when you receive it, don't just die. When you receive it, you give it back. And some of you are doing this regularly, but you didn't know what you were doing. And you give it you throw it back. How do you throw it back? Amen. And sometimes the preacher's preaching stuff that's cutting deep in people in that church, and you know them because they're your brothers, your sisters, or your friends. It may be people in your family, and you're saying, oh, my God. That's a good time to say amen. Because when you throw it back, it takes courage to be a preacher, and it takes courage to be a child of God. And you've got to have enough courage to stand for what's right. And back it up with all of your heart. Now, I want to tell you, I'm going to tell you, you don't have to do any of this. But if you want to be a great church, if you want your kids raised in a great church, if you want your kids to be multimillionaires and give the preacher suits, uh, if you want all that to happen, it happens where people understand what I'm preaching right now and they practice what I'm preaching right now. Oh, come on, let's clap our hands. I'm sure your pastor has, too, but when I was evangelizing, I watched a church get with me while I was preaching, and it going back and forth until people, when it was altar call time, people get up off of the back bench and stagger to the altar like they have been shot with a thirty-odd 6 and they stagger spiritually bleeding and fall on the altar and die out to sin. And come to new life in Jesus Christ because the church and the man of God work together. They got a revelation, they understand how this works. Oh, my Lord. Amen. And so God calls these people. Here's the people he calls. God instructs Moses to use particular people within the congregation. God, let me say that again. God instructs Moses to use particular people within the congregation. Let me just read, and I'm only reading here out of one chapter. I'm not reading the whole chapter. I'm just I'm just everything I'm taking that I'm going to give to you right now is out of one chapter. God instructs Moses to use particular people, and here they are. Those with a willing heart. And I can tell you right now, it was this way with me, and it's even more that way with Brother Young. If anybody don't want to go to the rock church, We invite them to leave. We're not in the manipulation business. If you can find a better church in Sacramento to go to, if you like somebody else better, just pack up your little suitcase and get on over there. But you better make sure, you better visit there a few times before you do that. You better make sure it's what you think it is, because we know a lot about the churches around Those with a willing heart. The next one, it, this is all in the same chapter in Exodus. Every wise hearted among you. And there's some in this church, I, 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 I already feel it. That's one of the things that makes me excited about this, this the great potential to become one of the great apostolic churches in Northern Nevada and California. Here's the third thing he said, these are the people that you you look for. Everyone whose heart stirred him up. He heard the preaching of the word of God, this guy does, and he says, that's me, bless God, I'm going to help build this thing. Whose heart stirred him up. Here's the next one. Everyone whose spirit was made willing. It's a spiritual thing. Here's another one. As many as are willing hearted. That has to do with the emotions. I'm I'm willing hearted. Here's another one. Every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine goats' hair and red skins of rams and brought them. The people need the church needs people that are successful. Now all of us may not be at this point in our lives, because all of us are caught between Our present, listen closely, we are caught between our present existence and our potential. And so will I choose to stay as I presently exist or will I let the word of God lift my eyes to my potential and walk in it? I teach about 500 hours of leadership on that one sentence. Two or three times a day. What about my potential? Do you even think about your potential? Do you young men even know anything about your potential? Are you just staggering along, not knowing what you're going to do with your life? Or have you got a hold of God and said, God, there is no life that doesn't have God at the center that is worth living. That doesn't mean you have to be a preacher. But what about business as ministry? Right. So we're building a new studio to reach the world uh, with teaching. In the last 15 days or so, I've taught in South Korea on the Internet. I've taught in um, Italy on the Internet. I'm supposed to teach in China on the Internet. But the young taught in the Middle East. People everywhere that want, everybody in here could actually start teaching home Bible studies on the internet and get somebody to listen. Okay, but to put together this studio is going to be several hundred thousands of dollars. So it's a pretty good thing when the boy raised in the church says, I'll give 50000 But if the church had not taught him some things about what is your potential, you're not called to preach, what is your potential? What are you supposed to become? What, 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 kind of, what is lying latent in us right now? And why do we think it's always somebody else except we that are in the church that's supposed to be blessed of God? just trying to stir up your pure minds amen so we had a boy that came in doesn't have a daddy his mama was a center woman uh, a, a waitress somewhere or a motel mate or something she, she worked but she didn't have a real good job and he, he was raised basically raised himself in many ways drugs and all that and he was 16 years old. he came in and got the Holy Ghost in the Rock Church he came in and got the Holy Ghost several years ago so I'm president of Wilson University. Wilson University needs money. So he comes by and he says, because he's taken the principles that the church taught him and he's used them to become successful so he can use his success to bless the kingdom of God. Do you get it? And he comes by and he says, here's a $50,000 check. And then he came two weeks ago or so and he said, here's another $10,000. I mean, I'm not getting it, but the, but the school's getting it. I'm just saying, I'm just talking about lifting, lifting our eyes a little bit. Yeah. So if you're now giving a $10 check, then what kind of blessing, because we're supposed to be blessed. Yeah. So that's another whole subject, oh God, have mercy. But, but we're supposed to be blessed. So what kind of blessing could move me from a $10 offer? Now, I'm not talking to you if you don't want to do it. I'm only talking if you have a willing heart. Amen. He said, look for everyone that did offer an offering. There it is. He said, and find all the women that were wise-hearted. I know churches where they think the women are just like cabbage heads. I don't get it. That's 50% of the workforce. I mean, in many cases, you know it. You won't admit it. They're running the world. You need to get them on your side and utilize that energy. And he didn't just say it once. He said, and get all the women whose heart stirred them up in wisdom. I know some of you don't believe it, but there are women of And get the rulers that care about the house of God and then he said and the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord whose heart made them willing and then they had a lot of things they had to build I'm closing I usually have several closings this is closing A <laughs> and God anointed a man named Bezalel and the Bible says it God filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship he knew how to do stuff. So if you ever in, if you ever visit a Rock Church you'll see up front over the pulpit a great big arch it looks like a big Greek place of judgment which was the idea. You know how that got there? We were building that church and it was the uh, the roof was on and all that it was closed in but. And I was setting. I, I got it. Can I? I was setting about right here. E- everything okay? You're a good man. You are part of this church? You're a good man. You got the Holy Ghost? Huh? You got the Holy Ghost? Yeah, nah, I like you Are you all? This is your son? Yes. Are you proud of him? Yes, I am. Well, praise God. I am too then. Yeah. <laughs> so I was sitting about here. And we were working. They were working on the building. It wasn't church service. And I looked up there, and it's about 40 feet high. And a guy come and sat down right by me in work clothes. Just sit down there. And I said, you know what we need? I said, I don't have a plan for this, but we don't need a plan. We can draw our own. We need a big arch with a big giant pillar on each side that makes this feel like, uh, you know, like a place where sin is judged and where people are judged free from sin. The guy beside me is one of the boys raised in the church. But he is a craftsman like you never dreamed of. And he said, he asked me a couple more questions. I said, no, yeah, this way, that way, no, yeah, right there. He said, we'll have it up. He and his father-in-law started that night, drew it up, had some of the lumber already there, started building it that night, within like 72 hours when you get there you'll see it was just getting the thing hoisted up there It was like how in god's world are we going to do this built it in about 72 hours and it's it's just a real important piece to make the house of god look like it's supposed to look but a man in the church did that but god's blessing him So that's why, that's why you have to think through. And last of all, the, in the Bible, the guy's name that did that was Bezalel, but it, but it says, and I'm quoting the scripture, and he hath put it in his heart that he may teach both he and his helper, holy up. Yeah. He has put it in their heart. Not only did they learn to do it. Now these boys that were raised up in the Rock Church that are successful men, they now have they now are mentors that are mentoring others. And some of them have, what do you call it, like franchises of their business that younger men in the church can say, I want one of those. And so they go from making $16 an hour, which, you know, I guess you could live on $16 an hour, but they go to making, you know, ever how much, to a whole lot more. And so, They also know that part of this is tithe and offering and that the more you give, the more you get. That's not just a preacher's ploy. That's the truth. When you get in the ebb and flow of it, the more you give, the more you get. Uh, I feel a little check right there. Now, if you just say, okay, Wilson said the more I give, the more I get. All right, I'm putting this money in there tonight, and I'm going to just see if he's telling the truth. No, you're going to say he lied. Because that only works unless God's doing something special in your life, and then he may go, (coughs) and you wake up the next morning, and and he knows that it's going to have a good effect on you to make you get saved. Then he may do it. But most of the time, it's not going to happen, because it happens when you're in the ebb and flow. You're, you're getting all this. You're giving this. You understand that it's going to be coming back to you. And yours is going to get bigger. And what you give is going to get bigger. And and I'm not just talking about money. It's easier to talk about money because it's, it's quanti- easily quantifiable. $1 $10 $5 but whether it's that or whether it's time or whether it's effort or whether it's teaching or whether whatever it is you give that to God and God gives back to you and you become more fulfilled and more powerful and more productive How long have I been preaching? It seems like a long time. What time is Three fifteen. Oh, well, I haven't been preaching long at all. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So, so, so when I'm preaching these things to you, I'm not just trying to fill up the time. Yeah. Because I want to come back here sometime and I want to see you with just blessed of God and yeah. the power of God working for you. I want to dance. I want to run the aisles with you. I want to shout with you about what God's doing in your life. So I'll close with this. Pastor mentioned um, the church we pastored back in the Midwest. It was actually in Michigan. When we went there, I was 27, she was 26. Our kids were like five and six, I think, or something like that. Just little kids. And the church at one time had been a large apostolic church. But when we get there, it's not large. I think the first time we were there, they had about 90. There was still a church, but at one time it was like six, seven times that big. It was one of the biggest churches in the Midwest. But it had fallen on hard times. They had an old pastor that got old and knew that his time was coming when he wouldn't be able to continue to pastor so he he got a young man and began to train him a tremendous young man and his wife who was a tremendous musician and a tremendous woman of God they were in their 20's and then when the whole church knew this was going to happen everybody was happy because this was a tremendously talented young man about 28 years old he got in a car wreck and got killed So it left a vacuum. There was nobody to take the leadership. The old pastor had lost his, he he, he just didn't have the strength to to lead and to do. And then he died. Now the church is in a deal. So different, there was a couple of assistants there. One of them split the church, took a group, went across town. Uh, Another one of them was a church secretary treasurer. He um, felt like he could pastor the church. Woo! Let me just say, don't think that because you can do one thing in the church, you can pastor yeah. <laughs> By the time he got through, it was chaos. It was chaos. It was so bad that one group of the people would have church upstairs in the sanctuary while the other people had a board meeting downstairs and then would come upstairs and push the first group physically out of the pulpit and off of the organ and go to the pulpit and announce the real service will now begin. I was 27, she was 26. Just full of wisdom. So, we, um, um, so the, the group that got pushed out went back and changed all the locks so the other side couldn't get in. It's a real spiritual situation. <laughs> and uh, so when they changed all the locks, the, first, the, the, the other side got keys somehow, opened all the locks, and went and hired, this is not exaggeration, and went and hired security guards to keep the other side out. Okay? This was all happening just before I got there. And so it got so bad, because one of the men just told me this in the last six months or so. He said, Brother Wilson, before, just before you got it got so bad, that they, they would call the sheriff to come out and settle the fights, fist fights, And finally, one side called the sheriff, and the sheriff said, I want to tell you, I'm sick and tired of coming down there to that church. <laughs> I mean, I know it's pitiful, folks, but it's been a long time ago, so I guess it's all right to laugh. He said, I'm, I'm, go- I'm sick and tired of coming down there to that church. And he said, I don't care which one of your groups call me. Whoever calls me, I'm throwing you in jail. So they quit calling the sheriff. (laughs) One side began to run their cars into the other side in the parking lot. I'm talking about where there is no vision, the people perish. And that was the state of affairs in the church that pastor was telling you about when we got there. Bad deal. Bad deal. So, I knew there had been trouble. I didn't know all that at the time. Some of that I didn't know six months ago. But when we came in, we came in and said, Okay, God, we're going to preach whatever you tell us. But you're going to have to tell us. We're not just going to preach stuff because we know it's right. You've got to give us direction on what to preach and when to preach it. But until you give us direction, I don't think I'd do it this way now. But I said, until you give us direction, I don't care if they're smoking cigars a foot long. I'll preach against it when you tell me. Until then, they can just smoke them and die of lung cancer. So, that's how we did it. And when God said, preach something, we'd preach it. And people began to respond, and people began to listen. And then one day God said, preach about this, and I'd preach about it. Preach about that, and I'd preach about it. Preach about this, and I'd preach about it. Some folks were glad, some folks were sad, some folks were mad. Preach about it. Not my problem. I do what God tells me. Take it to Him. You don't like it, you go box with God. Don't box with me. And out of that came the revival that He was talking about. It's amazing how quick things can turn around if you get a people and a man of God. It's amazing. It's amazing how quick things come together. Like lightning, God lays his blessings on you. And upon this church and upon this man of God, and outstanding things begin to happen that people never even thought was possible to happen. Would you stand with me? Amen. Oh, my God, have mercy. Do you feel the Holy Ghost here today? God's so good to us. I want, I want Pastor to come stand right here. Can anybody play the piano besides Sisterhood? Can you turn it on? Sister Wilson can play just something. Just I don't just play a little something. Jesus loves me, this I know, or anything. All right. Is it on? Just. Uh, Fixed. Just stand right there. Thank you. Here's the deal. This is anniversary time. I know you do this all the time. Not just like this, but I know you you do what I'm going to ask you to do. But this is anniversary day. We're just going to take a little time. And we're going to just come by. Everybody in here, please come. And don't get up here and spend 30 minutes because there's people behind you. And I know we're not supposed to be shaking hands. <laughs> have you had COVID? Okay, they haven't had COVID, so you don't have to worry about that. You're going to have to use it a lot of times probably during this process. But we can't stop what we're doing because of COVID. Amen. So now you know their hands are clean. If you get COVID, it won't be from them because it was on your hands. So I want you to just come by and I want you to shake the pastor's hand and sister's hand. And I want you to just tell them, I love you. I'm with you. I'm proud of you. I'm excited about the future. Words to that effect. Everybody in the building, let's just take a little time do Let's start over here. One of you ushers help me organize this. Just just come on. All right. First one's coming. First one's coming. They've been in a few churches. They know what it means to have what we got going here. Oh, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. That's right. Don't be weak in your affirmation because it will return to you to the degree that you give it out.